Welcome to Love Maps, your guide to love, sex and relationships. I'm your host, Joe Nickel. I'm a psychotherapist and relationship coach. For 25 years, I've been working with couples and individuals, and I know firsthand that many people are not having the sex and love life they want. So I decided to make this podcast to give people the tools they need to get the relationships they long for with more passion, intimacy and connection. So what is a love map? A love map is the blueprint for our relationships which we developed in the early stages of our life. There's a saying, show me how you were loved and I will show you how you love. Our culture shows us how to fall in love, but I want to show you how to stay in love. Each episode, I'll be hanging out on my sofa with an invited guest who has a particular interest or expertise in love and sex. And together we'll explore a specific topic so that you can take away tools and new ideas that I hope will transform your relationships. Today, we're talking to Nikki D, a psychotherapist and counsellor with over 25 years experience working with individuals, couples and groups. Nikki is a clinical associate with Pink Therapy where her extensive work with gender, sexual and relationship diverse clients gives her a deep understanding of couples and groups who are in polyamorous and non-monogamous relationships. Also with me on Love Maps is my regular sofa buddy and editor Richard Cotton who is as passionate as I am about improving our relationships. Hey, Richard. Joe, hi. Today we're talking about non-monogamy. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm excited because this is a conversation with a therapist who really understands about non-monogamy in relationships and what that looks like and how to move into a consensual non-monogamous relationship in a really healthy adult way. Mm. And it's something that I wish I had had the tools to do in my life. That that that, that was an option for you earlier on and it was never it, and... it was never an option. No. It, there was a kind of implicit understanding that if I was in a relationship that I would be we would be monogamous. And if we weren't monogamous, we were cheating, which could be the end of the relationship. And there right. was no discussion about what that monogamy meant, what right. being with other partners meant. Yeah. How about you? Did you? It's always been something that's Buddhist. That? It, well, it's been at the sort of periphery of my mind, and I've always been sort of interested, fascinated in it, really. Um, I mean, I've had trouble enough keeping, you know, one relationship on track. So, you know, yeah, the yeah, thought of absolutely. multiple relationships, frankly, is, uh, you know, has yeah, been I know. beyond me. Sounds but, a bit big. Um, but, it, but, to approach it in a really grown-up way, uh, in a really safe way, and uh, kind of methodical, to have somebody who specialises in this, who's this is her language, you know, that is a really, well, it's a new thing for me, and I'm interested in it, I'm fascinated by that. I'm, I'm huge, hugely looking forward to, to meeting her and talking yeah, to her about it. Yeah, I think we're very privileged to have her with us today. Okay, so um, we're absolutely delighted to welcome you today, Nikki. Thank, Thank you, you for coming in. And I know you bicycled up here. Absolutely, wise yeah, choice. Wise choice. So thank you so much for coming up. Now, we got you here to talk about relationships beyond monogamy. Can you just say something about what is monogamy 
And what is non-monogamy? It's a good start to define Yeah, I it. think so yeah. too. Monogamy is defined as the exclusive romantic or sexual relationship with one other person. Right. And okay. so that's monogamy. And yeah. it tends to not be actively chosen in the same way that non-monogamy is actively chosen. Okay. What so do you mean by that? Well, that because we're raised in a culture where it's very mononormative, um, so monogamy is the norm. It's and like you're default. By, so, yeah, you're not even asked to question whether there's another relationship style. So I will grow up and I will have opposite-gendered partner and just one at a time. Um, and obviously the world is a lot more diverse than that. And the, the clients that come to me um, and my own lived experience is a lot more diverse than that. Mm. So non-monogamy, um, is there's two types. There's consensual or, or, and non-consensual or ethical and non-ethical. Non-consensual, non-monogamy is the norm. Is that in infidelity, isn't it? That's cheating exactly on that. your partner, and, exactly yeah, yeah. That. and that's been going wrong as long as there's been marriage and monogamy. There's been non-monogamy. Yeah, but yeah, but unethically, yeah, unethical. Yeah. Also within that is, um, and that's not chosen, obviously, by the mm -hmm. person who mm -hmm. doesn't know or right. is being cheated upon. Right. Um, non-consensual. Non-consensual. So consensual non-monogamy is what. I, we will be talking about, I assume. Yes, absolutely. Is, is the chosen non-monogamies of open relationships, swinging and polyamory. They're oh, the let's three. define those then. Okay. Let's show it. Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> yeah. we were having a little bit of we a chit-chat earlier and almost, you know, almost to fisticuffs about what yeah. does open and polyamory and we both weren't quite on the same page. Well, so I, I, think please, I think I know. Okay, well, I, actually, I, I'm going to lean on Nikki to tell us, though. Well, do we start with no, you? No, 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 no. Okay, pop out, pop out, Richard. I'll tell you if you were right. <laughs> if I was right, <laughs> you're definitely right. All right, well, open monogamy, open, open non-monogamy, open relationships is usually where there's a primary partner and an openness to exploring sexually with other people. And that can be in all sorts of degrees. It may be a one-off, it may be more than that. Um, it may be, you know, having regular lovers, um, but there's a, there's a primary partner mm. almost always in an open relationship. Okay. But the primary partner may be what's called a nesting partner, someone you live with or someone that you're just, um, you know, seeing. Whereas a polyamorist, um, polyamory, poly relationships is when there's an openness for more than one love. Polyamory, as you probably know mm. from your research, Joe, yep. means multiple or many loves. From many Greek. loves. Many loves. So you can have more than one. You may not have a primary partner. You have may have. There are no two or primaries three. in a polyamorous there can relationship. Be. There yeah, can there can be, be hierarchical polyamory okay. or non-hierarchical. So we were polyamory. both right, Joe. Yes, because I was thinking ah. that you that in a polyamorous relationship there was always a primary. No. No. Okay. No. Yeah. There's That's yeah. Nice. There's. I mean, the the beauty of non-monogamy is it's so varied, and you can invent it in whatever way you want okay but the, the defining factor of a polyamorous relationship as it mm. as it's suggested by its mm. greek derivation is that it is a loving there's a series of loving relationships beyond simply the sexual act yeah yeah there's an emotional as well as a romantic romantic and sexual connection or the or the openness to have that right um, why do you think that some people have the capacity for that and others don't I think we all have the capacity. You think for we it. all have the capacity? Yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. We may choose not to act on that or we not, may not even feel that, but we're human beings in a body with a heart and we're relational beings. So in another context with a certain person, they might bring that out in us. We've okay. all got the, uh, for me, we've all got the capacity to be monogamous, non-monogamous, you know, swing. Have multi-relationships. Because yeah. it's interesting, there is, um, there's a biological anthropologist, Helen Fisher, who talks about three neural brain systems that enable us and provide us with the motivation to have very strong sex drive in one relationship, a re- capacity for romantic love, and also alongside somebody that you can have feelings of deep attachment for. So often I've heard, you know, is it possible to be lying in bed with somebody that you're deeply bonded and attached to and have also a sexual relationship with another person and have romantic thoughts about a third? And she is saying that the brain, the human brain is able to do that. We have the neural pathways to do that. So I know you're talking about that we have it in our hearts and our bodies, but apparently also as human beings, we have the capacity to do that as well in our from our neuro, primitive neural brain systems. And I'm thinking of that in terms of our evolution, whether that was about enabling us to be able to survive raising young children, hunting and gathering in primitive cultures, that gave us the drive to be able to find different partners for our very different needs. Do you know anything about these brain systems? I'm not remotely interested. (laughs) 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 Not remotely. (laughs) So so tell us tell us about the way you work and where you're coming from. I kind of like that brain system story for me. It's helpful for you. It's helpful for me. That's the permission giving that you require, Joe. Yes, actually, I think permission giving is very much about being, it is the first step, isn't it, to thinking, or one of the first steps to thinking about opening yourself up to your erotic self and your sexuality. Yeah, yeah. And our multiple selves. And our multiple selves. It's never my multiple partners, our multiple selves. selves. Well, I think that's why this brain system, for me, fits the way I think and feel about, you know, Mm. how to grasp what coming from a very monogamous um, social construct about how I should be in a relationship Mm. and opening myself up to thinking differently what do I need to do to support myself psychologically to make those steps and for this little brain system for me feels like a little building block right for me yeah but tell me about I want to know about how you work, Nikki. I mean, when a couple come to you. You know, Joe, just before we talk about that, yeah. maybe in response, I yeah. want to share, the, you know, permission giving for me yes. is nothing about my brain or what aspects of my brain. I mean, yeah. it is in one way, obviously, because we're, we're, we're in a body which also has a brain. Yeah. But it's more about, it's much more political. So for some people, they'll have a different way of um, allowing themselves to to be freer from cultural norms and restrictions. Mm. So for me, it was a very much a political stance of around feminism and socialism and knowing that I didn't like this notion of sexual ownership mm. and romantic ownership from mm. a young age, from like mm. 16, I never believed in monogamy as a construct. How did you know that you didn't? I mean, what was your kind of this isn't for me moment or was it having... It never made any sense. Never made any sense. You know, this idea of a, I don't believe in, uh, well, I don't like human beings owning animals. I don't like 
human beings feeling they own children. So yes. I, I think it just yeah. follows that I wouldn't like to be human owned. beings believing they own a romantic or sexual partner. Yes. I, I'm, you know, we're all restricted, yes. but we're also all free. Has that made your life in relationships, in relationships much easier? easier? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because in one way, probably not, because okay. I'm very upfront and um, and there aren't, you know, the circles because I was very quite quite young and and having more radical views around relationships. There aren't a lot of people around that shared that, so I would be no, with there aren't. there aren't or they weren't. They weren't. You know, now it's different. So then it's being, you know, finding myself with a monogamous soul and I didn't feel that way. And so then it's negotiating that. How do we, how are we both well in a relationship like that? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, a lot of couples that come, that may be the the factor is someone's, one person's more monogamously inclined and the other wants some non-monogamy. And how do they compromise that or not or engage in that or allow some of that or not all of it? Well, that's, well, that's, that's you know, that's a question I'm burning question is how do you work with a couple? Um, I mean, if, for instance, Richard and I came into you, we're not a couple, but if we presented as a couple and I'm, you know, I'm very much interested in um, exploring different kinds of sexual activities, exploring myself in sexual um, arenas. I mean, just exploring mm-hmm. and I'm presenting that to Richard and he's sort of excited about the idea of being with me, being with another woman, but not sure. Mainly my clients are non-monogamous. So I'm working with a very different client group than you will, you know, many therapists will come, mm. will encounter. Yeah. And they're seeking me because on my website and I promote myself as someone who knows about, you know, has lived experience and you know, also professional experience of working with people who are GSRD, gender, sexual and relationship diverse. Mm, mm. So there's kind of three categories I find. One is where there's a a newly engaged couple, a couple that have just come together and one's monogamous, one's non-monogamous and they're trying to negotiate what that means um, and how to do that safely and well. And the other is when there's... There's, and it is normally couples, so I talk about this now as a couple. Two cu- couples come in, and the relationship is they're swingers or they're poly, you know, they're in poly relationships, and it's it's going wrong. Something is going wrong, and they're needing to, you know, have some support in working out what can help. And the third the third group of people I see are very successful in their open relationships, they're polyamorous relationships, they're swinging experiences, good communication, really good at negotiating, but they want to keep checking in every maybe once a month with with me in this space to make sure it keeps being well. So it's like a maintenance. Yeah, exactly. And, re- and I'd say they're the three main categories. And of the third, and within all of them, actually, there may be another, a third person that comes in. If, if there's a polyamorous um, polycule, um, sometimes groups of poly people will call themselves polycules or a poly family. Then I might see different pairings, or I might see three people at once, or I might see a kind of a lover of one of them um, who's a kind of a, a metamor. There's different language. A metamor. A metamor. There's different language used partner within of the partner. The, con- the, the partner it- of the partner, and also friend of someone's lover. Your 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 partner's lover. You know, you may want to have a a good friendship with a lot of poly people really embrace an openness of knowing one another's other lovers from what i understand 
in order to be in an open or polyamorous relationship, communication skills is key. are absolutely <laughs> key. Isn't that the same with any relationship, though? Yeah, but it's amazing how long monogamous relationships can go by with very, very poor communication. It's a very good point. Where it's <laughs> Yes. It's, it's amazing. Whereas I don't, uh, from what I understand, um, in polyamorous relationships or open relationships, you really have to be very skilled at communicating yeah, sure. and be vigilant about the communication. Is I, that I right? would say not vigilant because okay. that, Im- that implies a, you know, a kind of a, a standing to attention, a tenseness. I think it's well, is more, it making time more time maybe to yeah. sit down and talk. I mean, like yeah. really, it's the checking in. Checking, checking in, in becomes a I real meant. common kind of yeah. language, and it or, or should do. That is um, vigilant for a lot of mod- monogamous relationships because that is a kind mm. of vigilance that I'm asking certain monogamous couples to undertake, which is to create the time mm. to sit together and to be. Yeah. To be vigilant to the relationship and that need for communication. I just, I think I, I react to the word vigilant. Okay. I would put in taking seriously or honouring okay. or respecting. Giving or attention to. Giving attention giving to, exactly. To. Vigilance staying is like, curious. It suggests a threat of some kind. And there's yeah. so many myths about non-monogamy mm. being threatening. Mm. I would want to avoid any language that yeah. tries to kind of reinforce a myth um, around that. There's a big difference isn't there i think in the way that couples are communicating i'd say yes or no no i mean i've been in monogamous and non-monogamous relationships they all require a bit of work oh they do (laughs) a bit of effort and a bit of you know compromise and all the rest of it they do and and good communication but of course if there's multiple people there's more communication required And yeah. there's lots of things to, there's more things to attend to. There's more yes. people to attend to, but it's the same thing, just multiplied. Thanks for listening to Love Maps with Nikki D. Stay tuned for the second half. If you're enjoying it, do subscribe and leave a review. And you can find more information and support on our website, lovemapspodcast.com and follow Love Maps Podcast on Instagram. Do you think women more than men are looking to open up their relationships? Depends on the women we're talking about. So I work with GSID clients, so gender, sexual and relationship diverse. So there's lots of trans women or there's non-binary people um, or there's trans history women and cis women. And, and all those different groups will have you know different needs individually, but also different needs within that group. So women with women, in if may have um, more need to kind of merge and be more and, and usually are more um, monogamous can but you say something about the need to system. merge what um, that means because it's the need to merge is safety emotional closeness and the kind of privileging of the pair which i think our culture kind of you know really highlights doesn't it mm. um, men with men have a more likely to have open relationships and hookups, and casually sexual encounters. I think it, some research suggested seventy-five percent of men in men in relationships with men. And by is that that people, women are more likely to be bisexual and men are more likely to be gay or um, straight? No, I think bisexuality is it's a bit like non-monogamy. Is the is the dominant sexual um, orientation? Mm. It's just that it's invisible. Mm. And I think yeah, women. Are, 
research would indicate that we're more open to um, desiring more than one gender. Um, and men are more shut down to that. But I think that's a lot around socialisation and men being more shut down because of that generally around emotion and toxic masculinity and all the rest of it that's kind of oppressive. Um, yeah. And women are allowed to feel a bit more freed up around, you know, permission to fantasise about women as well. Yes. Perhaps. Yeah, I think that's... They're certainly to- very common in um, open relationships and certainly with swingers to have a bi woman with a... Uh, a straight guy. So we didn't define swingers. I don't think we, no. we quite got there. Um, swingers are ten, tend, again, not always, tend to be in relationships, primary relationships, but may play, have sexual play with others together. Um, and that may be in group scenarios or they might invite someone else in to join their relationship um, as a play as a play. How party. do they find each other? Websites, um, social kind of networking Good parties. <laughs> There's always a few in the room if you look carefully. <laughs> so if you, I mean, if we were coming in to see, I think I want to go. You want, let's go there. Let's go back there. Yeah. I want to go back to yeah. sort of, you know, a couple presenting to you. I don't get couples coming in to see me with this with these issues. So I'm completely fascinated. Um, they're presenting with you. I'm, I'm, I'm the female partner in this and I'm interested in opening up and I would like to have, um, I would like to have relationships, uh, sexual relationships with other women. Mm-hmm. And I want to have that be part of our relationship. Um, I'd like to have them, by my, I'd like to be in a sexual relationship with a woman, maybe by myself, and I might want to introduce her to Richard. And what am I feeling? Am I because I, I'm I'm reticent about that? Am I? Well, I think that we've talked about it as part of our sex language. We've imagined, and then we've taken it into reality. You've as got a suggestion. off on it. We could, We've got off on the idea yeah. of me being with another woman. That be sexy. You you going? Yeah, that would be so sexy. Damn I get right. ready to get off and on that, yeah, and I'm saying, okay, well, why do don't it. we do that then? Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of feeling excited about that. So you've suggested it? I have suggested it because I said, well, why do... And Rich is going, yeah, but we want to do how it right. do we do that? I'm not quite sure. We want and to we, get it right. Yeah, we want to get so it right. Very conscientious, Richard. Thank you. Very impressed. <clears throat> it is. <laughs> it's certainly the most common supposed kink. Oh, yes, exactly. That's you know. why I wanted to bring it to you yeah. because I think our listeners will love- relate. Yeah. Exactly. So here we are. Mm-hmm. We've been together a year, two years. Well, you know, we're, we're together. We Is live together. All? I know it feels like longer, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, go on. So, yes. How would you work with us? Well, one, I wouldn't make any assumptions. Right. Which so many therapists do around yeah. this topic. Yeah, absolutely. And would make no assumptions. And I would pretty much say that. So I'd invite you two to describe your own sexuality, your own sexual identity, your gender identity, your relationship When you say style. sexual identity, what do, what does that mean? What do you Different mean by that? Different to orientation. The, um, uh, heterosexual people tend to talk about sexual orientation. Um, people who are more diverse tend to talk about it as an identity because it's what you relate to, what brings, what aspect of you is brought out by your sexual um, desires. You may be someone who wants to open up your marriage so you can cop off with women and yeah. have a lovely erotic experience with women. Yeah. But you may not even define as bisexual or pansexual. No. So that's fine. And it's more about understanding what that means for you. And yes. how would you just, you might be more erotically bisexual than you are in terms of identity. So you would ask, what does that mean for you? Yeah. 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 
And what are you, who are you? What are you? What woman? What type of women are you drawn to? What is it that you oh, imagine yes. it'll be like? What do you think would be different about you know being sexual with, with women? Okay, you great. Know, is it cis women? Is it trans women? Is it what? You yeah. Know, so what? being really curious about the meaning of that. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the flavors and, and colors of it. You know why now why is this now? coming up in your relationship? Mm. In you as great an individual? Um, mm. Great you question. Know, what are you hoping for? What might be? What might be the kind of fears or insecurities right. that are around? It's just a real. It's as we right. do with anything. Being curious. So I, yeah. I might be. So let's say I'm very straight down the line. Thought I was getting into a, you know, very straight monogamous situation, and this has emerged. It's come from you, Joe, in yeah. our in our let's hypothetical say. relationship, yeah. Yeah. and you, and. And I'm open to it. We, we come in, you're not making any assumptions. You hear it from us without leading us in any way to mm. hear exactly how we identify and where we are in our sexual mm. I've got a couple world. of moments like this. So, yeah, right. they're in my mind as we talk. Okay. Yeah. So I'm also yeah. wanting to check in with you then, Richard, about, you know, what's this like for you? You know, have you known from the... You didn't know initially. And, you know, what does it... Does it open up any questions for you any excitements for you any you know any fears any insecurities so I can imagine a fear might be what to say okay so my fear is one of introducing a new element a new person into a relationship there's the potential there for jealousies obviously it's the first Mm, thing that would spring to mind that's an experience yeah obviously it's common is it jealousy insecurity a sense of threat will this person be better than me will they leave me for this other this other person. I mean, they're all the very, you know, Is that why ones. communication is, I mean, because that, the jealousy, does it, doesn't really go away, does it? It's just something that you understand. Do. No, it really can do. It can go away. You know, jealousy is there if we, we experience, you know, we believe something we value is, is under threat in some way or someone mm. else has got something mm. that we want mm. or. Mm. But if we can agree that that's not, that's not in play, that, that fear. You're not mine and I'm not yours and we don't. So it comes back to possession. It can do, but there are some people that, you know, will relish the possession element, possess, possession. To be possessed. Element. Yeah, that might be part of their play or their relationship style. They might be in a master-slave relationship, for example, or a dominant, submissive, lived, um, um, you know, DS relationship. Mm. So that might be something that's very erotic for them. Um, and so, again, we can't make assumptions about anything. No. <laughs> Which is the wonder, I no, think, of this. I think that this work it, it is, for me. It, it, and it's the wonder of existential therapy as well. The purpose of the love map is is the premise that so much of our childhood informs the way we are with ourselves sexually. Young couples are now exploring very much their sexual identities. What it, what does monogamy mean? What does being in an open relationship? And I want to help them think about how they can open themselves up to those parts of themselves give them some guidance can be useful you know and certainly there are there are polyamorous coaches for example where people may go for that much more coaching which being guidance i'm an existential psychotherapist it's not my bag to give guidance i might give i might invite them to look at what is it they're seeking Um, and often they're seeking someone who there are three main criticisms for non-monogamous um, clients who go to therapists. One is the therapist doesn't know, 
jack shit about it. So is ignorant, yeah. um, massive blind spots, maybe also accepting but knows nothing. Uh, that's me. And <laughs> Right, and that's most. No. The other one is I that the it. therapist um, eroticizes or makes a curiosity of the non-monogamy um, when actually for the clients, that may not be even what they're there for. Maybe mm. something entirely different, but the therapist hones in on the diverse relationship style that they're in, the polyamory or the swinging it or the kind of whatever. The other one is an active prejudice, um, you know, an assumption that if you're non-monogamous, non-monogamous you're a commitment phobe or you're promiscuous or you are I think immature. That's very, interesting. Um, that's very prevalent, I think. It's very, very explicit. And that's why so many then will come to someone like me who's saying, mm. I understand, I am, and I validate and value you. Come and talk about it here. I find that fascinating. I mean, this so this brings up for me the whole notion of the morality or the and really the history. And we've been looking, haven't we, a little bit about the sort of the biological uh, uh, evolutionary sort of argument for monogamy or theories around why human beings might have been monogamous biologically. Mm. And there might have been certain, you know, troop imperatives that have kind of led us to be monogamous. These ideas, they're all just theories. Um, but then those that those biological imperatives were then fixed as a sort of moral code through religious doctrine and so forth, and that we've got, come to this place, you know, obviously through Adam and Eve and through Christ, we'll segue past the Abrahamic and sort of Solomon having multiple wives, but Christ said, you know, locking a partnership into marriage, into monogamous marriage was the will of you know, the father and so forth. And we, we're kind of in, in our culture, Judeo-Christian culture, it's very like deeply embedded. And then people come to you wishing to express or wishing to get right. Uh, and now what is termed non-normative polyamorous uh, relationship is suddenly by many viewed as uh, immoral or against the code of the creator or against even the biological uh, evolutionary code and that's is that you've experienced that is that is that a thing i mean it's well people it's, don't come and talk in that way right. <laughs> i don't ever hear someone talking about well, <laughs> they have no, they but, but you're talking about therapists who might be judging them now for they in, may be yes right, exactly without, uh, okay Richard. but then oh, as the society at bias. large might be looking at totally. it. i think there's a lot of unconscious bias unconscious bias unconscious, as well as very conscious right. as well as conscious but believing that they are but the therapists superior. hide behind you know, being, I mean, they hide unconscious bias behind their role. They do, as well as the the approach itself can, can be part of that bias yes. of the privileging of the pair, of what constitutes healthy relationship, which is seen as, you know, a commitment to one person only sexually and, emo and emotionally. Mm. Um, there's lots of, of the theory that is also has very derogatory kind of connotations towards those of us that are non-mainstream. So being non-mainstream for you when you became, when you were 16, where did you find your um, sort of, did you find it easy to connect with people? With the, did, with internet? Well, I wasn't doing much at 16, just no, to let you know. No, Joe. okay, okay. Fact, well, <laughs> that came out I much think later. because nowadays, <laughs> nowadays there are so many resources for young people to find groups to talk yes, to, to chat, so. yeah. to support. So they're, they're very, very fortunate yeah. in that way. But I think that, so there's lots of places for them to experiment and explore more than there ever has been. But with polyamorous couples, do you, 
what is the overriding thing that helps them stay cohesive? What are the what are the kind of things that you know really work for them? Yeah, it's a lovely question. And and just to point out, even saying polyamorous couples may not be accurate. Okay. So you know, I would I'm very careful in my website say not to talk about working with couples, but to talk about working in with relate you know as a relationship therapist because there are obviously people that aren't just couples yes they are in they are throuples there's three of them or they live in the v or they live in the in the w or there's different terms used for yes um, different kind of groupings um so just being careful even about the language Language. we use and that's where as you're wanting to put resources on is to educate yourself about educate about this type of thing we all need to be better educated about this this is happening living in the v and the living in the w it's when there's different inter- interconnections oh, between people. Yes, if you think yes, of a yes. W, there's, you know, two people join here and two people join, join there, but they may not join at the other part. Right. But you were asking about what what keeps yes. a poly group or poly people in a relationship yeah. well yes. in their relationship. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say being extremely clear with one another about what parameters of their relationship, where are the boundaries, what are the boundaries, who's, who's setting them, how often are they reviewing them and reconnecting? There are so many practical as well as emotional and sexual kind of boundaries and, and um, kind of contracts to to discover and re- renegotiate. It's no, it doesn't have and it mustn't be static, mm. as in you know once agreed it's left. Like many monogamous couples, once agreed, we're not going to shag anyone else. This is us for life. Yeah. And they don't return to say, how are you doing with that agreement yeah, we made? Yeah, I, right. I know. I, I, I noticed my head being turned. It's amazing how they can do that with their office colleagues. Let's sit down and check out how the business is going. Let's, how are we doing here? And yes. let's like have a powwow. Yeah. And they go, they don't do that with their, yeah. with their, with their relationships. Absolutely. And you think as a therapist, we check in with our clients. How are we doing? What's mm. what's working well? well? What yeah. is it? You, you were talking about practical issues. Would things like time, like timing spent with each For other, sure. with, with the various timing's groupings within biggie. the polyamorous relationship? Yeah, <laughs> timing's a biggie. Yeah, how much time and where? You know, it may there may be rules around this bed of mine. Only you and I will have sex in and sleep in. You know, but you know, you're welcome to have other, you know, your other par- partners and, and lovers and hookups, but elsewhere. Or it may be holidays are not allowed with anyone else or not agreed upon. Um, or they may be, um, but we'll all go together on a holiday or not. And if you're bringing children in, who's having the children? Who's looking after the children? Um, the children thing is an interesting one. I just want to come in because yeah. I, was, I was listening to a podcast about how they brought children in who, um, whose parents were in polyamorous relationships and how incredibly articulate the children were how incredibly mm, aware right. the children were how they were communicating yeah, needs imagine. and wants and understanding so emotional and, intelligence absolutely mm, because mm. their parents communicate mm. i think the requirement to be curious and communicative mm. and open and more accepting and asking questions and all of that stuff which so many couples really struggle to do to find a language for their sexuality and their needs and their wants these children are hearing something Mm. that so many families in monogamous families are Mm. not giving their children so I was I was 
you know, delighted and excited to hear that. And it makes so much sense. It does, actually, Joe, it does. And there's more influence if there's more than two. Yeah. Or more than one. More than a village. It takes a village to raise that stakes, Well, not the stakes are higher, but the the requirement seems to be almost greater in a way. Yeah, for sure it is, Richard. Or it's more complex and therefore we have to make a greater commitment to communicate. Yeah. Not that 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 ought to be the measure. I mean, Mm. monogamous relationships monogamous relationships between two people ought there ought Mm. to be that level of communication but if you there are parallels for me and this sometimes i use to help um therapists who aren't very aware of non-monogamy make more sense of it so with families with friendships we tend not to have one friendship only and be hung up on this very you know being um, faithful to this one friend or in a family member, we have multiple family members usually, unless we're not lucky enough to, um, and multiple friends. How do we negotiate that? Who do we have a best friend and then a few um, secondary friends? Do we have some friends that are great to go out in one way with and not another? Are friends that we talk more deeply with? How do we negotiate around time spent with them? Isn't it though that when we have sexual union that there is... Emotion, there's an emotionality. There's uh, there's another landscape of emotional connection, isn't there? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. No, there can be. That's yeah. that part but if, of the brain that doesn't do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's got that brain. <laughs> I think. I think what I mean. What I mean is in the in the polyamorous environment where there is a central central couple. Well, like there's the a central relationship. Right. Thank you. Yeah, I won't describe. He's clenching his hands. He's clenching his hands. Right. Let's, Let's do, do that. Clenching Let's do your that. hands. Okay. Gently. Right. Bring my hands together in prayer. How's that? His hands are no longer merged. Great <laughs> wine. What, is that praying that I don't go off with another woman? <laughs> what I mean is, if there is a, uh, a a primary relationship, right, and then so they are in a sexual union. Mm. And that there is an intimacy by virtue of that sexual union and the relationship overall. Mm. That there is a um, a, a different uh, quality of relationship because of the sexual union within that loving relationship than you might find it with one's best friend or a friend mm-hmm. with whom you don't have a sexual relationship. Doesn't everything change? Uh, well, not everyone not has that experience. That you know, relationship anarchy is one uh, very common way of understanding. Oh, not common way, but some people come in in their relationship anarchists, and I personally really like this style where there is no hierarchy around of importance or kudos or status to a, a type of relationship. So, at the moment in our culture, the probably the romantic relationship, the monogamous one, is held highest, and then it would be family bonds. And then it would be friendship bonds, and then it would be colleagues, and then it, you know there's a whole hierarchy. Relationship anarchists are like, no, we can love. You know, there's no hierarchy. You might, I might give more time to a friend than I do my lover, or than I do my mother. <laughs> and quite honestly, when it comes to work, I think most people give more time to their work colleagues or their most favoured clients than they do to their primary partner. I know. Do that. they oh, judge? I mean, I, I, do you know what I often say to my clients? I said, if you gave as much attention as you do to that favorite client, to your wife, as you do to your friend or your partner or whoever it might be, usually there it's in heterosexual monogamous relationship. If I said, if you gave that um, as much attention to mm. your partner as you give to your clients or your work colleagues, your relationship might be a lot healthier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's a disconnect there as well, isn't it? I mean, also there's the 
apocryphally there's the sort of data around asking people you know at the end of their life what do they wish they'd done more of and they usually say spend more time with the people that they love yeah so actually that hierarchy i think i think in reality it it exists although in practice as you're saying well, we don't always is, play it's still out that held up in hierarchy. society and it's still held up as you know my primary partner in a monogamous relationship you know, it's this, it's this fear of even if I don't give that partnership and that relationship much attention, it's all right, it's going to hold because, you know, we're married. Yeah. Right. And that's what society has right. told. You know, we've held it. There's a really you know? lovely, just answering this a little bit, there's a lovely questionnaire by Dr. Tammy Nelson who writes a book called The New Monogamy. Um, and she's probably... I don't know if she coined the term monogamish. I don't think she did. No, Dan Savage did. Dan Savage, of course. Sorry, Dan. Sorry, Dan. We love you. Go on, go on. What, <laughs> what's Tammy monogamish? Monogamish. monogamish is when you have, an, or sometimes it's called extend, um, extended monogamy. So you may agree upon, a, you know, snogging other people at parties. Or well, maybe mon- a we're in a, a monogamous or... relationship, but occasionally we're going to have flings. Yeah. Or we might bring in someone as a th- for a threesome now and again, but essentially we're going to be monogamous. So okay. it's a little more flexibility. Okay. Sorry. But her questionnaire is so interesting. And I often um, will suggest it for people that are newly opening up their relationships or want to think about the restrictions of monogamy. And it's all about who do you, you know, it's asking one another, what's it like if I flirt with someone else? What's it like if I have a sexual fantasy about someone else? For the other person within you the relationship. You question each yeah, other. It's yeah. a questionnaire and you invite oh, a conversation. Brilliant. How do you feel about, how, how would, would you, you feel, feel if, if I... I masturbated to thoughts of somebody else? How would you feel if I was having sex? And actually when I came, it was to thinking about this person. I think that's so cool. It's amazing. And it really, it's so detailed. The questions are so incredibly So what's detailed. the name of this book again? It's The New Monogamy the, by Dr. Tammy Nelson. I'll put it on your... Fabulous, yeah, we'll thing. definitely have that on the website. But it, it la- I mean, it's for no- monogamous people or even for people just opening up a relationship, I think. Okay. Um, Brilliant. Love it. But there was, uh, there's so much more, even in answer to your question, Richard, about what other things do polyamorous people need to think about to keep their relationship well. Like you talked about time. And there's also, um, you know, the, it's the, ty- the quality of engagement you know, the, you know, the quality, you can have more quantity of time, but what about the quality? You're just rocking up to somebody when you're really exhausted after work. Or is the or is this person getting all the dates and this person getting you at the end of the day when you haven't got anything left to give? So there's all sorts of other, even the practical things to consider. Sounds um, like also very useful for people in anyone. monogamous relationships. Yeah, you know, yeah. are, is your work getting all the time and not, yeah. not the relationship, not the yeah. partner? Yeah. yeah, and attending to the jealousies, and attending, attending to the insecurities, yeah. and attending to the the fantasies. Are there any particular kind of um, communication skills you um, guide your mm. couples, mm. your your clients with? That you know, if they are, you know, because I think communication skills is something that we do need to teach, we do need to learn. We weren't gr- taught them yeah. growing up, but we didn't watch our parents probably communicating so do you have any particular ones that you find re- people take to and can work with more quite easily it's probably the same as any relationship therapist well i think your other perspective listening when you invite someone to shut up and listen <laughs> well with their heart their their heart and their mind and their ears and their body and they look at the other and they just listen 
and then they repeat back, you know, not repeat back parrot phrase, but I hear that you are this. I mean, it's an element of coaching in there. Yes. Because some people really lose that. Or, you know, you allow them to have, a, you know, start arguing and you see that happening. You thank them for showing you the way they row, but then you stop them because it's no longer productive. Absolutely. And you say, what happened there? And you, yeah. you, you support them in how to, how to do that make that more constructive and yeah. less destructive. I really admire anyone who's non-monogamous because I think we're all taking leap out of the norm and it's, it's brave. It's brave to open yourself up to being vulnerable and to being jealous, to being um, disrespected by society and misjudged and misinterpreted. Um, I think it's really gutsy. I think it's really gutsy mm. too. Mm. And I'm sort of inspiring. Yeah. yeah. It's really inspiring. Yeah. And I'm kind of envious <laughs> of, you know, that that's so available. It's more available and more acceptable than mm. it ever was. Yeah. And... Um, I've got so much to learn. I'm so, <laughs> so grateful that, mm. you know, you've come on this podcast to do this with us, Nikki, mm. because um, I think the work you're doing is is amazing. Can I put a plug in? I'm the good. fact that yeah. I am, I'm running CPD for therapists on working with non-monogamous clients. So Fantastic. if you would like to come and make contact. <laughs> Yay. That's just a little plug. How do, they do? How do they make contact? Uh, well, through my website, oh, great. Nikki D. For therapists, Nikki D therapy. is it? Yes, is yeah. it super, supervision for okay. therapists. Great. And on the website, I'll be put, and I'll get put more information on about resources and mm. sources for people who are interested in what they've heard today from you. I mean, the other thing I wanted to make sure wasn't left out is that although we've talked about the three main types of non-monogamy as open relationship swinging and polyamory, there are very other variations so some people have a don't ask don't tell policy which is more common it's like it's maybe it's part of a monogamish so within a what's ostensibly a monogamous relationship they have agreed that it's okay to be with you know have sex or emotional relationships with others don't, don't don't tell, tell me about, about it, it. So it is yeah. a form of non-monogamy. One of the things that I will talk about with people is sexual menus, and they'll, you know, do a pie chart. Where, is it pie chart where the circles? Then, then that's the diagram. And they might be writing, you know, all their, you know, all their, you know, things that they love. Yeah. No, they might traffic light it. You know, red is a definite no, no. I'm not into this. I never will be. Um, or you know, the, the amber, mm. the amber is a. Oh, be maybe in the right mm, scenario mm, so we, mm. you know the couples will do that's that that's an interesting yeah. process though uh, sorry joe yeah, yeah, to yeah, interrupt yeah, with cool. it, but how would you i mean would you ask couples or people or multiple people within a polyamorous relationship mm-hmm. to identify well those done, ones separately sorry so <laughs> I, I call myself <laughs> to identify those those preferences Separately, separately and then and then bring them together so that, that, that there was some people depends. you know some people um, are just so good at talking together and love being creative together they'll just flow into that exercise um others will need to do it separately and then come in there's no set way of doing it other than keep talking keep checking in keep renegotiating keep listening into yourself you know really encourage people to check out what you're feeling in your body as well as what your thoughts are saying what's your body saying is my body is going, getting really tense when my partner's talking about another, you know, another lover. Then, but I'm saying, that's absolutely fine, darling. Carry on talking about, you know, there's something going, there's something not being addressed that needs to be addressed. So I'll observe that with, with the people I'm seeing. You know, you look very, how are you in your body right now as, as we talk about this? And give them permission to, 
because sometimes people feel they need to be in agreement because it's the right thing to do. It's the more open-minded. It's the more on trend. It's the more, yeah, you know, accepting absolutely. thing. And yet their body's going, no, I don't like this. And if I don't agree with them, they might leave me or they might go off somewhere else. Or and think I ha- I'm really uncool or uptight think, or yeah. conservative or whatever mm, it is. Mm, yeah. And mm. so real invitation to listen into all of you as well as listening to all your what's partner. true for you what's true for you in this moment it may be different yeah. another moment yes but, but your right body now. is sending up yeah. some information that should be listened to. very good advice okay. really good <laughs> thank <laughs> you that was wonderful nikki thanks so Great. much for coming coming and hanging it's out so with us on our sofa and for, yeah thanks. it was thanks a great a pleasure richard thank you <laughs> thank you Thanks for listening to Love Maps. We hope you've taken away something useful. If you know anyone who's struggling in their relationship, please share our podcast with them. You can find more information about the topics covered and links to therapeutic support on our website, lovemapspodcast.com.